please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello again. This is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and I'm really delighted to be uh, back on the show again. Hope you had a great week. Uh, firstly, I'd just like to say thank you to Jeff Ram and Michael Jackson for a fabulous show live from South Africa last week, all about change. Uh, Jeff and Michael collaborated with me to put on what was a great show, which uh, collaboration is obviously the theme for today. Um, I also, I've never done this before, but I also just wanted to mention, because uh, I think it's a great example of collaboration, is that Jeff, um, if you just happened by chance to be anywhere near South Shields in the north of England on Monday the 2nd of April, there's a rare opportunity to see uh, both Michael and Jeff speak, and also secret millionaire Kevin Morley, uh, Richard McCann. Um, that will be... Uh, in um, in the Customs House Theatre in South Shields, and you can book your ticket uh, by calling 0191 454 All the proceeds go to charity. If you go, let me know, and we can say hi, because I shall be there too. So it's been said that no one ever achieved anything of great significance on their own. To achieve great success today, you must collaborate with other people. As a mediator and international speaker in high demand, guest today, Dean Gunn, says that you need to create strong collaborative relationships with everyone who helps you to develop and keep your business on track. And also, you've got to seek out new opportunities to collaborate to take your business to the very next level. Now, while collaborating commercially, though, it's so easy for things to go wrong. And you may all have examples yourself that you can think of where you've collaborated and, and maybe it's not worked out how you anticipated it. I, I certainly have. And it can be draining emotionally and also financially expensive. We should also remember that collaboration is essential for successful personal relationships. Now, I saw Jane speak about this subject a few months ago, and she brings so much wisdom to it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And actually, it stirred up for me some quite deep emotions, actually. My, my mind flickered across to the memory of some of the challenges that my family had faced when we found that my father-in-law, uh, who was in hospital during what turned out to be his last Christmas, um, had to endure. That We were frustrated because we were unable to collaborate with the hospital to get him home and spend Christmas Day with his family, despite my wife being a, a general practitioner, a doctor, who could have actually cared for him at home. It was completely ridiculous. And I felt that some of what Jane offers could really benefit the caring professions. I also thought about the disputes I used to have to negotiate for major corporate uh, when they got themselves into tangles with suppliers. This was in my one of my old lives as uh, a procurement um, person, sort of negotiator for companies. And 
when, for, for example, um, a company decided to change their mind, I had one example where I found myself negotiating with the agents of a, a famous celebrity as the company decided to cut their budgets and not follow through with the deal. And it was such a shame as the comedian in question just loved the product and was so keen to endorse the brand creatively during his tour, planned it all out. However, I had to sort out the mess. It was quite draining. And I have to be quite honest, my, even though I was representing the organization, my personal feelings were with the comedian. Now, Jane Gunn is a former London solicitor. She's now a full-time mediator with more than 15 years of mediating commercial cases. She's frequently chosen to mediate complex and very emotive uh, cases and business disputes. She's got many, many accreditations, including being a, a mediator fellow of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. Um, she's uh, a member of um, something called IMR, which is the International Mediation Institute. She's a founder member of the Mediation and Training Alternatives that specialise in advanced mediator training. Her growing international reputation has led to her speaking in 14 countries, including both the White House and the United Nations. She's also the author of a published book on conflict management. It's called How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boardroom Room, sorry, Boredom in the Bedroom. It's available from Amazon in both hard book or ebook form. Jane Gunn, how are you? Oh, very well, Chris. Thank you very much. And uh, what a lovely sunny afternoon to be chatting. Well, you know, it's absolutely beautiful here for March, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, so. We've already got uh, talks of hosepipe bands coming in soon, haven't we? And it's only March. <laughs> uh, well, there's another conflict coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> how, are we, how are we going to collaborate through that one? <laughs> yeah. And interesting, I, I hadn't known you were going to share that bit about your father in law because we, we just had a similar thing with my mother being in hospital. And despite my legal background and my sister and brother in law being medics, we had the same kind of problem trying to collaborate with the nurse stuff and get her out of the hospital so um interesting mm. yes it's, it's very frustrating when it's kind of it's a red tape you know <laughs> somebody yeah. makes a decision might not even be present and uh, yeah. that's it <laughs> there's no collaboration I know. Uh, so frustrating but yeah it was it was interesting i think I, when i spoke to you i spoke to you after that event didn't i and yeah. mentioned it really did bring up something for me a, a difficult kind of experience and it also inspired me to very much get you on this show and, and talk about what i think is such an important subject yes thank you so, so what jane in your experience is collaboration well, my, my focus, of course, has started by looking at conflict. As a lawyer, I was involved in conflict, although I was uh, a commercial property lawyer, but often involved in what conflict was and, what, in, and litigation and so on. And my focus as a mediator has been resolving people's conflicts. But then I said, well, what if we looked at the other side? Perhaps we should focus more on what collaboration is than what conflict actually is. And, of course, collaboration is when we have an absence of conflict when we're actually able to uh, relate with people, whether it's at a business level or on a personal level, um, just to get things done, to really make things happen without, um, and it doesn't mean we don't have conflicts, but it means we can, we can manage those issues uh, without falling out, without creating great waves or roadblocks in what we're trying to achieve. <laughs> And is that, uh, I mean, that sounds, sounds an unusual approach in, in some ways because, you know, don't, uh, don't people like lawyers often like ongoing conflicts because they earn more in fees? 
Well, they do, they do. And I mean, I guess in a way, uh, that's been one of the problems in trying to promote mediation because uh, we have this term ADR, or Alternative Dispute Resolution, but we've also named it um, Alarming Drop in Revenue for Lawyers. (laughs) 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 Because if we solve something early, they lose their fees. Um, So, yes, it's been an issue. It has been an issue. But, uh, you know, I think that there are windows of opportunity before something hits the lawyer's desk where we could be more aware of what we're doing personally uh, in trying to create better collaborative relationships. I guess this is an important thing in terms of, you know, helping to create a better world, isn't it? Things like lawyers earning massive fees in in those sorts of situations is, I think, is, is not right, is it? Well, it's not, but but when you talk about a better world, Chris, it, this is. I mean, yes, we're looking at we're looking at all different levels of, of relationships and society here because there are huge issues that, as a as a global society, we could and should be cooperating on. Like, you know, what happens if we have a no, another global pandemic or a global pandemic, and what happens if, uh, you know, if we if we suddenly create uh, antibiotic resistance, what do we do then? And we need to be cooperating globally on so many things, and yet we you know, so much red tape and so much invested interest from big companies and big government that these principles are suddenly very relevant to us all. I think what you're well, what we just made me think there is that you know collaboration occurs at so many different levels from collaborating with your neighbor i just had to do that over over a new fence that we were putting up between us and and manage that right the way through to collaborating on huge global issues yes and the problem for us is that um we are our instinctive response to, to is, is to be adversarial um, and so as soon as something small starts to go wrong, we flip into a way of relating to others, which isn't really helpful. But, you know, it isn't of our desire to do that. It's something instinctive that that we do. But then things start to escalate down the wrong path. Really. Yes, yes. I, th- experience I, th- time. I think we have. I've gone quiet thinking about a few things. <laughs> <laughs> What what was you what do you see, feel and hear when, you know, collaboration is going well? Well, we're probably less than when it's going wrong is the answer, I think, because you know, when things are going well, there's this sense of rapport, there's a sense of, you know, vision or or, or whatever in terms of whatever you're trying to achieve together. Uh, there's a feeling of being uh, singing from the same hymn sheet or however you like to, to put it, and just a sense of ease, I suppose. Um uh, a willingness to, to share information, to, to join with others, um, to, just to cooperate, really. Um, but when but when collaboration is breaking down or when it's absent, then people flip into this adversarial mode and they start to either be actively aggressive towards each other or, or, or passively aggressive and start to withhold information. You know, you get gossiping behind people's back and all of the many things we've experienced when things don't go well. Mm. And I'm really interested to know, you know, what do you think the the cost of people not collaborating is you know, financially? Do we, are there any studies done which give an indication? 
I have, Chris, and it's absolutely huge. I mean, in terms of a sort of global figure to business, uh, there was a study done a few years ago now, but reckoned the cost of business was about £30 billion, I think. Um, what a waste of money, really, <laughs> when you think what else you could spend it on. But, do you know, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg because the only bit you can measure in pounds or dollars is what it's costing you in expert fees, legal fees and so on. But beneath the surface of that are how much is it costing you in productivity? So how much time am I spending worrying about this issue that's uh, affecting me at work when I could be doing something else or I could be following up another opportunity? How much is it costing me in lost relationships that are valuable to me in one way or another? And how much is it costing me in terms of my health and you know, that's the bit that I see, which is more costly than others, but you can't put a you can't put a value on it. But you know, people's health is really and their relationships are really undermined when collaboration has gone wrong, uh, as we've all experienced. I mean, if you go back to or I go back to those situations with our parents or parents in law in hospital, you know, the amount of time and emotional energy that we put into sorting those things out where the communication has broken down is is enormous. And that thirty billion pounds, presumably, that's a, a United Kingdom number, is it? Yes, and so, one of the exercises I often do if I'm working with a business is to get them to work out to, to identify just one conflict, which could be at any level, and say how much do you think this is costing you in lost productivity, uh, lost business relationships? And by the time we've got the figures up on the board, and then say, well, there's probably another ten or more conflicts bubbling away under the surface in your business, you know, what's the actual cost? It's staggering. Uh, and I guess on a, a inter-country perspective, mm. it's costing us trillions of dollars when it comes to things like wars. Oh, yes. I mean, unbelievably so. And the same principles apply to international relations as they do to boardroom relations and domestic relations. It's just that, of course, the scale is staggering and the impact when we get it wrong is is even far scarier, really. <laughs> so, so what do you think? If it's th £30 billion, pounds, I mean, could, do you think you could actually measure on a company's profitability? You know, is there a percentage if they if they manage to collaborate well versus a company that doesn't is, is a an expectation in terms of turnover or i think it has an impact on so many different levels chris really i mean you know if their relationships are going better than they need to spend less time in meetings perhaps you know they'll lose less clients they'll lose less or have a lower staff turnover um issues that might have uh, escalated into litigation or conflict won't do so so they'll say i mean they'll just save they'll save money and costs right across the board really mm. it's but it's not something that is there's no you know the cost of conflict doesn't appear on the balance sheet anywhere so it's not something that's been focused on up until now really I just I wondered. Oh, we've got to, only got about a minute left. Actually, I wasn't wasn't getting my little messages as usual. So we've got a minute to <laughs> to commercial break, um, but we can follow the, follow on this question after the commercial break. But I know you've written a book called Bedlam in the Boardroom, 
and boredom in the bedroom. I have. My first question was, what's bedlam in the boardroom? Right, okay. You can probably guess for a second. After the break. (laughs) I think what we'll do is I think we'll go to commercial break and we'll leave people to think about the... Think about that. (laughs) Think about the boardroom in the the bedroom, as well as the bedlam in the boardroom, and we'll... Everybody says they'd like to read the second half. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll go to commercial break and we'll be back with you very shortly. Great. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com, and I'm talking right now about collaboration, about managing conflict to achieve more with my guest today, Jane Gunn. And Jane, just before the break, we mentioned the title of your book. It's had a lot of plugs already. <laughs> um, uh, with bed, bedlam in the boardroom and um, oh, Board, boardroom in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, how to avoid both of those is the answer. Um, it, just for your listeners, a lot of people say to me, what does the word bedlam mean? And the word bedlam comes from, it was um, a lunatic asylum, actually, in uh, London. And, of course, it was based on the, the the word comes from the kind of chaos of people, you know, not, not uh, I don't know, but, but the chaos that comes out of that that that. Um, that organization or, or people being in that organization so that was where the word bedlam came from uh and it's been it's been used so bedlam in the boardroom is about you know chaotic relationships in the in the boardroom and, and boredom in the bedroom and people think i've written a sex manual but uh, <laughs> i haven't um it, it's really saying that you know if you've got conflict going on at work you'll take that home with you and it will impact on your home life and vice versa and any relate, you know, any conflict in any relationship is going to undermine that relationship, so it won't be as good as it could be. But we take the conflicts from each sphere, and then you know they 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 overlink, they overlap. 
They do, and I, I wonder how much time people do spend worrying about the conflicts that's occurred at work. You know, a it must lot. Be yes. very, very sapping at home, and I suppose yeah. you could also say if there's conflict at home, that's going to be an impact into the work too, isn't it? Well, I did a talk uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Chamber of Commerce in London, Chris, and uh, it was about this theme about collaboration. And so many people came up to me afterwards and said, what you're saying is really happening to me right now. And what I'm experiencing at the moment is that because the economic situation is tough and businesses are under a lot of pressure, you know, when the going gets tough, people get aggressive. And so instead of collaborating with the people they're working with to try and find a way to make things work, they lash out, often unconsciously so. Example of that is my daughter, Becky, who was working in a, a local pub last summer, uh, which was struggling financially. Uh, and instead of collaborating with their staff, trying to get them to to work all together, they started lashing out, bullying their staff. Uh, poor Becky was coming home saying, you know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've been shouted at again and I haven't done anything. And, um, you know, it was just a sense of somebody being, feeling very vulnerable, lashing out at the staff. The staff started to leave. And then, you know, within a few months, the business actually closed, failed. Very sad. Sometimes in those situations, people reverse to the worst, to, reverse to the worst form of themselves, don't they? I think they do, and they don't realise they're doing it. They're just doing, as I said at the right at the beginning. You know what comes instinctively. They're operating from a, a place of fear, really. And I think we talked about this when I came and did the talk uh, that you heard. We, you know, are you operating from a place of fear or from a place of love or connectedness or whatever you like to call it, really? And when we're operating from a place of fear we react in a totally different way, which is designed to, to protect us, to help us survive, but not terribly appropriate when we're trying to save our businesses sometimes. Mm. Mm. Very true. Have you got any, you obviously mentioned that example with, with Becky there, do you have any examples of your experience where collaboration has gone badly wrong? Um, well, not really. I mean, one of the areas I'm focused on quite a lot at the moment is, is businesses and, and particularly family businesses. And I think that's an area where, which is very interesting because you've got both family issues and business issues uh, linking in together. And I think that, you know, trying to, so I've been working, I probably can't give the details, but been working with several family businesses recently where, uh, and together with the economic situation, I've just been finding the pressure of that, trying to, to, to manage all those relationships on all those different levels, very, very difficult. And, um, you know, having to deal with then some quite difficult, difficult behaviour, which undermines the whole thing rather than builds it up. Mm. I, th I think, uh, I think, but behind where I live, we've got some fields and I think there are sort of about three family members who have involvement in them but none of them speak to each other and haven't done for years. And, they, and you see that sometimes, don't you, in big businesses? I've, I'm thinking yes. of, I probably shouldn't mention their name right now, but there's a, a very <laughs> very famous uh, pair of uh, business entrepreneurs, and I believe they, they have separate offices, haven't spoken to each other for how they run a, a business empire between them. I've got no idea. 
Yes, uh, and it does break down. And, you know, in fact, I, I've experienced a breakdown of, of relationships in, uh, you know, things that I've been doing as well. And when you look back, you say, well, what can I learn from that? How did I get into that situation as well as anybody else? But, you know, it takes two to collaborate. So if one person's not collaborating, then then you can't make it work. Was there, was there a reason... I mean, I wonder how you got into mediation. You know, was it related to maybe any personal experiences that you'd had in the past? Sometimes it seems to be that people's professions are related to an incident or an experience. Yeah, well, it sort of was. Um, my husband had had quite an unhappy time at work at one stage, and I'd also got involved in this inquiry called Tomorrow's Company, which, uh, if anybody remembers Professor Charles Handy, he was spearheading that, and he said, you know, what does, what does the company of tomorrow look like? And I joined, as a result of my experience, a group looking at people at work. And they discovered that this adversarial approach to relationship is one of the key things that holds our businesses back. And that was that. So that prompted me. And then I read a newsletter which said call for women mediators. And they felt that women weren't coming forward to be trained as mediators and that we had some of the inherent skills that would help us to do that job. And that, you know, a lot more men were coming forward. But creating their own style of mediation which was perhaps a bit more macho than mm-hmm. different style of mediation so that that led me all those three things really led me to think well perhaps I'd prefer perhaps this is a new path for me a new journey excellent and, I mean that that journey is actually taking you to the White House and the United Nations do, do you want to just briefly share yeah there's a very interesting example of collaboration isn't there is related to that I didn't expect to go. So when I started out as a mediator, this goes back back to 1998, One of the, and I went to work for an organization called the Center for Dispute Resolution. One of the things they were trying to do, mediation was very new in those days, is to uh, get companies on board. And there was a great worry about the Y2K bug, the year 2000 millennium bug. Was it going to infect all our computers? And were businesses going to suffer as a result? So there was big focus on businesses like telecoms uh, businesses, into uh, IT businesses. And they were really worried that if their systems got infected and things failed on the uh, 31st of December, uh, that, uh, you know, that there'd be big litigation. So my job was to promote this, um, to promote this initiative called the Millennium Accord an agreement between big organizations and we got 500 organizations worldwide to join up and say that they would uh, commit to mediating rather than litigating if they had a problem. In other words, they'd agreed to collaborate before they resorted to the court process, which was fantastic. But we also needed to get the governments on board, the UK and the US government. So I actually made a cold call to the White House <laughs> <laughs> To, uh, to see if I could connect with their team. I knew who the team leader was. I think it was somebody called John Koskinen. But I got through to their team and then managed to go and give a presentation to, it was President Clinton's then uh, legal team, and then was invited to, they had a big conference, a Y2K conference at the United Nations, so went and made a presentation there, uh, which was fascinating. And I've kept in touch and managed to collaborate <laughs> with many of the people I met, in fact, the um, the ambassador who uh, invited me to the United Nations, I've kept in touch with him all those years, and he wrote the foreword to my book. So there's ongoing collaboration on all fronts. Yeah. 
How great is that? And, and, and who says that cold calling is, uh, is dead? <laughs> one, of our guests, one of our guests recently said that uh, the new cold calling was social media, but uh, nothing like picking up the phone, I guess. <laughs> well, it worked. Whether it would work again, I don't know. <laughs> well done. We've got, we've got about three minutes to a commercial break, but I just wondered if, right. if you could maybe share with us, because I, I thought these principles were, were, were fabulous when I saw you speak. Well, just yes. briefly share with us what the, I think you had about five principles, don't you, behind successful collaboration? Yes, well, there's four, and then sort of one I elaborated on, I think, when we met. So there are the four, okay. there four C's, which are connectedness, consideration, control, and caring. And then I think when, uh, when I spoke, when you heard me speak, we looked a bit more at what listening means or what listening, what part of caring listening forms so those were that those were the four connectedness consideration control and caring so perhaps after the break we can go into those in a bit more detail excellent well it shows that i was listening in your presentation which is good it does. <laughs> <laughs> i could remember them <laughs> okay th- so, sorry jane i said you've got a gold star <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to do is we'll go to a commercial break and then we'll come back yeah. and we'll, we'll run through each of those in turn so back to voice america for uh, a couple of minutes great from the boardroom to you voice america business network How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and I'm talking about collaboration right now uh, with my guest today, Jane Gunn. And just before the break, uh, Jane shared the key principles, the four C's of successful collaboration, uh, which were connection, consideration, control, and caring. And let's start off, if we can, Jane, by talking about connection. What do you mean by it? Well, we all want to feel that we're connected with each other but what does that really mean or what is it that stops us from feeling connected so I think when I was doing the talk with you we were looking at you know there are there are two reactions that we might feel to people you know one is a reaction of fear um, and the other is a reaction of feeling more connected or we talked about love and that um, different things can provoke those reactions in us. So if we look at connect, uh, connectedness, that it's about a couple of things. It's about status. One of the things we ask ourselves when we're connecting with people is, um, what is my relative importance to them? Where do, where do we sit in terms of hierarchy? And we all have a sense of wanting to feel equal to or better than someone else to feel good about ourselves or good about our relationship with others. And we also have a sense of wanting to know whether we're in or out of a social group. So if you've ever had an experience where, you know, someone hasn't been speaking to you, for example, or you felt that people were gathering in a huddle and not including you, then in that example, you'd have uh, a fear response uh, so, you know, you imagine people are gathering around the water cooler at work and you think they're talking about you or maybe they are talking about you, then that's the response you would have. And that would then trigger, you know, much more of this adversarial behavior. Whereas, you know, if you've got a sense that you are truly connected to other people, that you feel that you're equal to them, at least equal to them and that you're included, uh, you know, then you'll have a collaborative and more collaborative response and you'll be able to get on with that working together. So this is about your your feeling of being being part of that group, and so therefore, when things are not going well, sometimes it's because there's a lack of connection, is it? Yes, sometimes it's a lack of connection. Um, so that can be one of the things. Um, so what, what about consideration? Yeah, what about consideration then? Yeah. So consideration. Uh, there's a couple of things that that means. It means fairness so consider being considerate of people being fair to people we all want to be treated fairly by other people but it also means respect and uh, courtesy uh, so we want you know we want people to treat us with respect and courtesy and again if we feel that something is unfair that we've not had a fair share of something uh, if we're being treated differently to another member of staff for example if someone is you know, giving something to someone and not to others. <laughs> As parents, yeah. we all experience this thing. His yes. is bigger than mine. <laughs> you gave me something you didn't give me. But that feeling goes on into adulthood, you know, that if we, if we have a perception that it might not be a reality, that somebody is treating us unfairly, giving something to someone else and not giving something to us, then again, our reaction is likely to be more adversarial and we're our collaborative or our ability to collaborate is likely to shut down to a certain extent. So just being aware of these things and aware of, or being able to even articulate them is part of the answer, really. I, I remember as a young child being at a, a family gathering, and there was somebody I didn't know very well who, who decided to take the youngest children and to, and to buy them some sweets. And I, I remember being about six years old at that time, and he, he told me I was too too old 
to be included and took all the other children, <laughs> gave them all sweets except me. And I can remember it still stuck in my mind all these years. <laughs> um, oh, the feeling so, of a lack, lack of consideration. Yes, yeah, I mean, my children used to fight over so many things. But, you know, we still do. So I think, you know, we, I think, often give the example of the toddlers in the play box. You know, you have to learn to share your toys. You have to learn to be fair with other people because our instinct is to keep things all to ourselves and bash people over the head if they try and take what's ours. But um, fairness is something that we're looking for. It's important to us. You see, sometimes there's a, an English footballer who I remember sort of he was his his contract he was very angry and he talked about in his biography that i think it was something like uh, he wanted so many millions of pounds a, a month or in his salary and he was he, he banged his steering wheel and got very angry that uh, he only, he was only being offered 5 million when he thought he was worth 6 and and it, and it was just completely ridiculous because and, and there was quite a backlash about the fact that he'd written this because uh, he was angry because he felt he was worth more when the money was just absolutely obscene in some people's minds um but he was in that sort of situation he felt he wasn't being considered even though the money was huge and that's so interesting you bring that up Chris because in in litigation in court cases often although people are claiming a large amount of money it stands for something else it represents something else and that compensation represents the fact that I have a certain status or I need to be treated fairly or or whatever um, it doesn't really you know it doesn't necessarily have the value that we think it has for people <laughs> so, so, so tell us about control then. So control, okay, so um, if, if anyone's ever been in a situation where they risk losing their job or they risk losing a relationship or a friendship or something was something was not going according to plan, it could be something even even less serious than that, you know even if even if somebody, runs into your car for example momentarily you lose control of where you were going you'd have a sense of uncertainty and for all of us that you know that flashes an alarm bell it's a bit like a printer with a flasher on you know we immediately then focused on the loss of control that we have or the loss of certainty and that again is something which in terms of how our brain operates is is seen as a threat and therefore we switch again into this adversarial mode so there's a sense in which if we can give people a sense of control or certainty and, and one of the things when we're entering into relationships with people, whether it's a business or a personal relationship, in terms of collaboration is being clear about what our expectations are. You know, supposing we're planning to go to the cinema this evening, you know, being clear about what we expect that whole uh, you know that whole adventure is going to be about you know because sometimes if we don't express what's important to us if we haven't shared that with the other person then when they fail to meet our expectations we get annoyed but they didn't even know yeah so, somebody somebody has uh, got a certain view of the world and it doesn't quite turn out like that a uh, an expectation yeah, has been thwarted hmm. uh, well, that's quite in interesting what i'm thinking you 
<laughs> so I lost you there for a minute. It's interesting you use that term, a view of the world, because all of us have our own view of the world and we expect everybody else to fit into that. But of course they don't because they've all got their own picture. It's a bit like looking through different <laughs> shape windows, really. <laughs> they do. They, they, always, they always say, don't they, that people marry, when people get married, they have heard it said that actually they're marrying their own subconscious mind. They, they have an ex- certain expectation oh, yes. of how the other sh- person should be. And it's only when they really come together and spend yeah. huge amounts of time together that they realize that maybe those, those uh, views of the world differ in certain ways in certain areas. <laughs> Can be part of the adventure or part of the conflict of it all. <laughs> Can be. So what, what, I'm, what, <laughs> what, what I'm guessing by, by this conversation is you know, uh, some of my, my thoughts – go back related to these principles to childhood and I think you know these are really quite deep psychological things aren't they? I think they are and so there's a sense in which for all of us the level to which we experience conflict with another person is determined by our own level of self-respect or self-esteem so you know you get into a little bit of a psychological realm here because you know, the more vulnerable you feel yourself, the more you yourself are driven to seek approval or attention from others, the more that, and that you need to have control and power over your life to feel secure, the more that something knocks you off course, the more vulnerable you feel, and therefore the more you lash out, whereas the more you're at the other end in what people who know, you know, the Abraham Maslow triangle, the more you're self-actualize that you know that you, the more that you're free from those feelings the less you take things personally the less you perceive threat where it isn't even there mm. Mm. so so through these principles uh, uh, sort of connection is about uh, feeling part of something consideration is about fairness and respect and yeah. control is about having your expectations met and feeling like I guess you can you have controls as opposed to something being done to you yes very much what what is caring then as the final principle or piece of the jigsaw well I, I think Chris that all of us have two questions flashing in our mind all the time in relationship with other people and those two big questions are do I matter and am I heard and, you know, we need to know that someone cares about it. If you go back to this example of, you know, supposing somebody ignores you in the street, a friend ignores you in the street, or somebody cuts you up in a car, we feel angry. Uh, but why do we feel angry? We feel angry because we feel that we didn't matter enough for that person to care about us or to care what we felt about it. That's often what's going on. And, you know, I think... Just caring for people, just showing people that you care, uh, creates the foundation really of collaboration. Mm. These these don't sound like principles that uh, come from a would be part of a solicitor training. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn them at law school, Chris. You're quite right. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, you're to say for me it's a journey because I've understood the principles of mediation how would we help how would I facilitate two people in dispute to resolve and then I've gone back and looked at but what could they do to avoid even having to go there in the first place you know how could they avoid their conflict sorry I'm losing my voice (laughs) quick slurp of green tea um (laughs) What are the principles of collaboration? And that's really the focus of my work now is to say, you know, there's a window of opportunity. What can we do in that window before it all goes wrong? (coughs) 
Fantastic. Uh, and uh, when, when you um, when we got together, you also talked about I think a final point, which we alluded to, which was listening. Does that fit into yeah. the? Because I can see that as being a very important skill in terms of helping a collaborative situation work. We've got a, a couple of minutes to break, by the way. Okay. Uh, well, listening is one of the skills that we all think we do because we listen all the time. I'm listening to you now and you're listening to me and we've got various listeners listening to us. But listening, you know, there's listening on so many different levels. And one of the things that we need to do in collaboration, we need to do in, in dispute resolution, in mediation is what I call deep listening. We need to listen at a different level to really get what people are trying to say to us. And to really understand that. And very often we're listening only to give our own response. So um, I think somebody said, uh, you know, that speaking is uh, or giving a monologue in the presence of other people. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of really listening to what, what is that person really trying to say to me? Um, and it's, you know, it's something which is vitally important to, to do. But we don't do it very often. Mm-hmm. Which comes back to that point that you mentioned about, probably about caring, you know, do I matter and am I being heard? Yes, yeah. You need, you need to feel because people if, listen, listening. Yes, and we need to feel that they've really heard what we were trying to say, not what they were trying to hear. So, you know, what was our, what was our message? What, what were our, what needs, what interests, what concerns, what fears were we trying to convey to them, even in our own clumsy way when we were speaking? Uh, and did they hear that or didn't they hear it? And very often we don't get any sign, any indication back that they actually, they really got it. Mm. That's the problem. Brilliant. We're going to go to commercial break now and we shall be back again uh, very soon. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreGMore.com, and I'm delighted to be with my guest, uh, Jane Gurnham. We're talking about collaboration. Now, now, Jane, something, when we got together and I saw you speak, a, a question that you, you split everybody up into pairs and asked that was actually really, really thought-provoking and powerful was the question, if you really knew me, you would know. Could you maybe, ex- yeah. if you really knew me, you would know. Could you explain how you use that question and why it's so powerful? I use that question, Chris, because when we're conversing with each other, and particularly if we're trying to create a relationship with someone that's enduring, you know, with a spouse or with a partner or with a business partner, we often speak less about the things that matter most. So we get terribly excited about planning the business or about planning, you know, our adventurous life together, but we don't share what our expectations are and what our fears and concerns are. We don't share what really matters most to us. And that question, I think, if I remember that exercise rightly, really made people think quite hard about, you know, what is it that I don't share with people about myself that that might make a difference if they knew? And I think sometimes we are, we are reticent, of course, about sharing things that make us feel more vulnerable but sometimes it's those things that help us collaborate even better if we share our our vulnerabilities our our thoughts and concerns you know particularly our fears and concerns is an exercise I go through with people when they're thinking of going into partnership with each other and say what do you fear most what are you most worried about that might go wrong and we don't share those things we don't say oh I'm glad we're going to go into business together but what worries me most is this and if we did share those things you know what a difference it would make but we don't plan for conflict we don't plan for things going wrong we think it's all going to be fine you know particularly when we're relating with people that we've been working with for a long time we're in a good team we're in a good relationship so then when things go wrong we've got no we've got no plan of how to deal with it because something's happened that we actually worried about but we never shared that thought with someone else yeah or, or maybe we don't have a a deeper warm enough connection with each other yeah. to to actually um know that if something does go wrong we can pull through together I think so. And I think, you know, in the society that we live in, Chris, we are not used to ha- even finding the time to relate to people on that deeper level. You know, we just have quite transitory conversations sometimes because there's so much else going on, so much other noise going on, so many other things to attend to that maybe we just don't take the time to have those conversations. So I think that people if they want to collaborate more particularly in a business sense need to take the time to sit down and say you know what's going well but what are the things I'd really like to share about where I'm thinking this whole adventure or business or whatever we're doing together is going and what am I worried about Mm. and those are some of the things we don't do I agree and and, and for me I mean I run a lot of team development type programs with with senior executives and boards and some of the things that have the biggest most powerful impact when I just get people for example to you know share a little bit about their life and what's happened to them yes. and it's it, it's amazing that when people start to do that in a very very open way 
mm. suddenly everybody starts to engage with them as a, as a human being. And it's amazing what you what you discover in those those rooms. You know, people talk about you know their, their divorces, and I had one event recently where five out of the eight directors had been through difficult sort of divorce type situations. Many of the people had also lost parents when they were young and we even we sometimes even have some tears in those sorts of situations as well but it's amazing how when those things have been shared suddenly the connection between people you can just feel it in the room the energy just shifts because although we're all human beings and we know that we often fail to relate on that human to human level and particularly when things start to go wrong we start to demonize the other person. We see them as less than human. And, you know, that and that then escalates into a situation where we fail to communicate with them altogether. So getting people to reconnect on that very human level is one of the things that can make a huge difference. Yeah, I can see that. And how much more effective then do you think collaborations would be if, we, if people really thought about and applied these principles in every every collaborative situation a huge chris i mean one of the things i do with clients is get them to write what i call a living contract so if we have business relationships we often have an employment contract or we have a partnership contract but that really just sets out what our legal rights are and what we're going to do if they go if it goes wrong but under this living contract i want people to share really share what their what their vision and goals are, um, what results they expect to happen, so what their expectations are and what their fears and concerns are. So vision, results and resolution, I want them to know, think that there is a huge possibility that they will end up in some kind of misunderstanding and I want them to have a plan for dealing with those conversations when it happens. Brilliant. So how do you have any final key messages that you would like to to leave us with well i'll give you three three thoughts really which come from my book and i think these are the things that you know i would ask everybody to think about even write down and answer these questions and, and that is who matters most to you and why do they matter most to you and business and a personal level what matters most to them and why does it matter most to them? So there's a bit of listening you've got to do to find that out. And then what matters most to you? And why does it matter most to you? And those are the key things, those three questions that you need to be able to answer and the information that you need to be able to share with each other to start off on the, the right collaborative footing. Excellent. So, so that is almost like almost like a little agenda for a first collaborative meeting, is it? Yeah, yeah it could be. <laughs> <laughs> that and your four principles and you're away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, ab- absolutely. But, you know, if, if people took the time to have these conversations at the, at the outset, then that could have a, a huge impact, put you on a very good footing, couldn't it? I think so. And then just to say that conflict is not a bad thing. I mean, everybody sort of talks about conflict avoidance. Conflict is simply a catalyst for doing things even better than we're doing them now. So if you begin to stop fearing conflict and say, it's just a warning that we're not living up to people's expectations, that we've got some fears and concerns we haven't shared, let's revisit our agreement and see what we could do even better than we're doing now. That's the message. 
and I guess related to that, I mean, I, I see conflict as being a good thing, providing it's focused on on debating an important point. Where it's not a good thing is when it's personal. Would you agree with that? Yes, and we have a thing, we have a saying in mediations which we says separate the people from the problem because <laughs> sometimes we get so wrapped up in trying to attack the other person and making it personal rather than saying what is our joint problem and how do we solve it. So that's a, that's a key principle, I guess, again, of trying to resolve conflict or manage it well is to separate the people from the problem. So don't let it get personal because it's when it gets personal that it all goes wrong. <laughs> Jane, I'd just like to say a, a huge thank you for what you've shared today. I think what you said really matters, and I think it's really important that people do hear it because you know these principles could save an awful lot of uh, emotional heartache and also financial money and, and time. So, uh, and they and they and they can be useful for anything from dealing with your neighbours right through to sorting global conflicts. And um, so really lovely, wonderful show. I think some fabulous principles and a, and a big thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Chris, for inviting me. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you. You're very welcome. If you want to find out more about Jane Gunn, go to um, www.corepeace.com. Uh, and yeah. next next week we will have on the show Matt Crabtree. Matt's going to talk to us about how to grow your business. Uh, Matt was the youngest ever director at Barclays Bank in the United Kingdom. His background, interesting, is farming before that. Um, but it, but he has um, a, been able to grow his business forty percent year on year. Uh, he's a, a very well respected, significantly respected speaker, and also expert in, in in growing businesses and sales and those sorts of things. So, do join us again next week. Uh, that will be a great show. And uh, thanks again to Jane. And if you want to find out, um, send me any questions on this show. Info at bemoreachievemore dot com. And do join me on my Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash uh, Be More Achieve More. And I will share information about shows and new shows coming up and that sort of thing. So, thanks very much and have a wonderful week and look forward to speaking to you again next week we thank you for listening to be more achieve more please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel enjoy your week